Well, good morning. Welcome to part two of a series that we have called I Declare War. And I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We're excited that you're with us today. Believe God's going to speak to you. Uh, we are excited about Made New Weekend here in three weeks where we get to celebrate with all those that are going to follow Jesus uh, in their next step and their relationship with him through water baptism. So if you want to do that, uh, there are a couple of sign-up sheets out in the lobby at Impact Central. If you will just put your name on there and your phone number, a way to get in touch with you, uh, we'll take care of the majority of that. We'll have towels and we'll have a shirt for you and all of that stuff. We'll prepare all that and have all that here on that day. And so uh, during the 11:15 service on March 24th is when we'll be doing that. And so get signed up. If, uh, if you're ready to take your next step, you've given your life to Jesus and uh, you want to be water baptized, we cannot wait to celebrate with you. And so Last week, we began a series that I believe has the potential to change your life forever. And I said that last weekend, and some of you may have been you know, a little skeptical at first, and then afterward, you thought, yeah, that might be true. So hopefully today is just a continuation of that in your life. And this series, we've called it I Declare War, and it's based on a book that Levi Lusco, uh, another pastor in Montana, wrote that I read just not too long ago, probably a month or so ago, a month or two ago. And... Uh, I, as I was reading through the book, I thought, man, this is something that we need in our lives. We need this. We need to hear this. We need this word. We need these principles because so many of us are not living this way, and it's costing us, and we don't realize it's costing us. And last week, uh, if you were here, we established that there are a couple of reasons why we need to declare war in our lives. The first one we said is that we're in a war whether we want to admit it or not. So whether you want to admit it or not, you're in a war. So you might, as well just, you might as well just come to the realization, I'm in a war. I might as well declare war against the things that are holding me back in my life because you're in one anyway. So you're either fighting or you're not. So it's time to decide that, hey, it's time to fight. Uh, the second thing we said was that a lot of us are held hostage by a version of ourselves that we don't want to be. And we keep going back to the same things, and we keep doing the same things, and we keep you know, experiencing the same things, and we keep getting the same results, and we don't even like the version of ourselves that we are, and we wish we, wish we knew how to change it. Well, what we're trying to do in this series is help us know some steps and some things in our lives that we can actually do practically that can help change that. And last week, um, last week in this series, uh, we, we said that we're focusing on our own worst enemy, which is ourselves. There, there are you know, three different areas where conflict comes from when we looked at those last week, but, but the one that we're focusing on is how we create our own conflict within ourselves in the things that we do in our lives. And last week I preached a message, message called Think Like a Wolf, and we said these four things, and I'm going to give them to you really, really fast, and then I'm going to encourage you, if you were not here uh, or if you have not heard the message, to go on the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, find the Impact Church podcast, and you can get the message from last week. And I encourage you, listen to the message from last week because it will change your life if you'll, if you'll take it to heart. Uh, but we said four things. Number one was you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. Many of us don't like the way that we feel. Well, you can change the way that you feel if you'll change the way that you think. The second thing that we said is that negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. You can't be accidentally negative while you're being intentionally positive. It's impossible. So we need to learn how to be intentionally positive in our lives so that we can't even do the negative or, or think about the negative on the other side. And then we said that what you look for, you will find. 
Whatever you're looking for, you'll find. This is why when you go to work and you, you feel like, well, that person was upset with me two days ago and they're going to be upset with me again. And, and, and then everything that you see them do or you hear them do, you're taking it back to your personal hurt and what they've done to you and all of those things. And so uh, what you're looking for, you will find. So some of us, we need to change what we're looking for. And we start looking for the positive. And then we said that it's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. You can't be worshiping and worrying at the same time. And I don't have time to go back in through all of that again, and you don't want me to. You want me to get on to what we're talking about today. I know what I can see in your eyes today. You're so excited about what God wants to speak to you today. But I do want to encourage you, if you have not listened to the podcast, go back and listen to last week's message, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. So this week, as we continue our series, I want to talk to you on this subject. Call it Speak Like a Wolf. So we're talking about these attributes of a wolf and I'm going to give you some details here in just a moment that I find kind of interesting about wolves. But uh, last week we talked about thinking like a wolf. Today we're going to talk about speaking like a wolf. And I want you to lean in uh, to what God wants to say. Now, I want to start with a question. Does anybody here like peanut butter? And you're thinking like, wow, speak like a wolf. We're start with peanut butter. That's great. Anybody like peanut butter? Anybody like me where you can go to the pantry or wherever you keep your peanut butter and you can get the peanut butter out and you can just get a spoon and you can just scoop up the peanut butter and eat it. And a lot of times what I'll do, I like the crunchy peanut butter. And so I'll get a big, you know, I'll get the biggest spoon I can find in the drawer. And I'll just scoop this big scoop out. And then I'll put the peanut butter back. And I'll just walk around the house <laughs> with this scoop of peanut butter. You know, and I'll just a little bite here and a little lick there. And, you know, and then before you know it, I've eaten this whole spoonful that I don't know, you know, is probably way too many calories. I wouldn't want to know how many calories are in this spoonful of peanut butter that I'm eating because I know it's a lot. But... Uh, I just hold on to, well, there's a lot of protein in there. I don't know. Maybe it balances itself out with the protein and the calories. I don't know. <laughs> but and, and I'll get to the point to where I'm finished, and then you're, like, licking the spoon. Anybody, anybody that likes to eat just peanut butter by itself, and you just lick the spoon before you put it in the sink or you put it in the dishwasher, right? Now, for those of you, <laughs> for, for those of you uh, who enjoy peanut butter, have you ever, have you, ever you know, gotten a spoonful of peanut butter? Or maybe, you, you know, sometimes you like to put it on your pancakes maybe or on a waffle or, you know, something like that. Or, or sometimes we'll do it. Uh, I know whenever we had that natural peanut butter when we were, we were on the fast and we had those rice cake things, is that what they're called? Those little rice things that you wouldn't eat normally because, you know, when <laughs> we, we had those things and <laughs> we had those things and I would put, we'd put peanut butter on there and then like we would even cut up a banana sometimes and put it on there and it was really good. But for those of us that like peanut butter, have you, ever, have you ever been eating peanut butter, and you're eating it so fast because maybe you were hungry and, and whatever, and you're eating it so fast, and then you had that moment where your life flashed before your eyes? <laughs> because all of the peanut butter that you just ate is sitting right here. <laughs> and you have a decision to make. <laughs> Do I keep eating the rest of this peanut butter? Or do I go get me a, come on somebody, a, a cold glass of milk, amen, hallelujah, Oreos with a cold glass of milk, it's awesome. But for, for many of us, some of you were looking at me like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It, like, that happens to me quite frequently. I'll be eating peanut butter, and I don't take a drink the whole time I'm eating this peanut butter. And about two-thirds of the way through, I feel like I'm going to die, if I'm just being honest. It's like it hurts so bad. And then when you go to get a drink of milk or something to wash it down, it hurts to actually wash it down because there is so much lodged right here, right? Now, 
for those of us now that we've switched from peanut butter to milk, I don't know, you know, if you're getting hungry or not. You came to the early service so that you can get early lunch, maybe. I don't know. But for those of us that, that have you ever gone and, and you wanted an ice cold glass of milk, whether it's peanut butter or you eating Oreos or whatever, or for those of you that are really strange, you like to dip your Oreos in the milk. I don't I don't I don't like to do that. Um, <laughs> I heard somebody say one time that I just don't like things floating around in the thing that I'm about to drink. You know, I just can't do that. But you go, now how many of you are like me, and whenever you go to get a glass of milk, you go to pour yourself a glass of milk, you check the date. Everybody check the date. <laughs> Some of you are like, nope. You check the date. And, and even, and for me, sometimes I'll look at the date, and if it's like, you know, still three days away or whatever, then I'll even smell it. You know, you screw the lid off or pop the lid off or whatever and or open the carton, however you get your milk, and, and I'll smell of it to make sure that it smells good. But occasionally, you know, there's sometimes you don't do that. Has anybody ever had that moment where you went and you got an ice-cold glass of milk and you were so excited about it and maybe you sat down with it and then you started to drink this glass of milk and it took about five seconds before your brain processed the fact that what you are drinking does not taste like what it was supposed to, and really the texture is not what it should be. <laughs> and and all of a sudden you realize your brain, it triggers your brain, and you think, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> because, and many of us we do, if you've ever had that experience, where you just didn't check the date and, and, and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would. And so all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where what you have just put in your mouth <laughs> is causing you a lot of problems and 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 it's and it's 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 nasty it's nasty now i want to shift gears because there is there's a a couple of places in the bible but there's one place in in that's specifically a couple of verses that I want to read to you where Jesus, this is in Matthew, where Jesus actually tells us that there is something that is worse than eating or drinking something bad. So when you eat something bad or you, you know, the milk has turned or whatever and, and you think that's nasty, Jesus actually tells us there's something worse than that. And here's what he says in Matthew 15, verses 10 and 11. It says, after Jesus called the crowd to him, he said, listen and understand this. It is not what goes into the mouth of a man that defiles and dishonors him, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles and dishonors him. And I read this, and this is the amplified translation, the amplified version of the Bible. And sometimes I like to read the message. I don't know if you've ever read the message, but sometimes I'll read like a version, and then I like to go see what the message says. My wife even has a Bible that has the message translation and another translation that you can compare it to. In the same Bible. And so I like to read that. And I, and I like the way that the writer of the message translation put this. He said, he then called the crowd together and said, listen and take this to heart. <laughs> this is serious. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life, but what you vomit up. <laughs> That's a great visual for you right there as we get into the message today. Jesus is saying, it's not what, it's not what you eat or what you drink. Or, or those things that sometimes we, we put so much emphasis on that actually causes problems or that actually pollutes the way that the message translation says it pollutes your life. But it's what you vomit up. It's what comes out of your mouth. It's not what goes into your mouth. It's what comes out of your mouth. And a lot of us sitting in the room today are not in the place that we want to be and we're not living the life that we want to live because of what comes out of our mouth. So last week we talked about thinking. Today I want, to talk, I want to talk to you about what comes out of your mouth. Because I believe it's a big deal. 
It's a big deal. If we're going to win the war with ourselves, we have to learn to speak like a wolf. Now, some ways that wolves communicate with each other is through body language and touching and facial expressions. I don't know. I found that interesting as I was studying on this that, that wolves, actually, their facial, they use facial expressions to communicate. That's a, a, a way that they communicate with each other is through their facial expressions and body language, which sounds really familiar, right? And I, I found this, uh, this interesting. But when we think of wolves speaking, we think of them doing what? Howling. We think of them howling. Come on, everybody look at your neighbor. I need you to give your neighbor your best howl. <laughs> Some of you are like, what church are we at right now? I don't even know. <laughs> We're howling at each other. This is weird. Um, <laughs> I found out something interesting, though, about wolves. When they howl, they are actually intentional. I don't know if you've ever heard wolves. How have you ever been out in the woods? You've been camping or you, you, know, you live uh, in the country somewhere or whatever, and you can hear wolves howl. But a lot of times you'll hear wolves howl, and it's not in unison. It's not in harmony. It's not like, you know, this wolf's like, Arr! and then this wolf's like, Arr! you know, and <laughs> it's like, oh, you're in the key of C, you know, let's <laughs> let, me, let me get there with you. Some of you are like, is he ever going to get to it? We're getting there. But what I found interesting is that when wolves howl, they're actually intentional to not harmonize with each other. So one wolf will howl and another wolf will howl off key, if you will. And one of the reasons they do that, one of the primary reasons they do that is because it seems like there are more of them than what there actually are. So if you get, <laughs> and you think about this, even, even like with us, if you get a group of people together and say you got, you know, you have three people and they're, you know, humming a song and they're all humming and harmonizing with each other. It sounds real pretty and you can tell, oh, there's three parts there. But if people just start, you know, just singing wherever, you don't know how many people are singing, right? It's like, how many, like, I don't even know. That sounds terrible. But with wolves, they do this because it makes them seem like there are more of them than there actually are. And so we hear wolves howling, and it may be three wolves that are howling back and forth at each other, but when you're outside, it seems like, wow, there are like 17 wolves <laughs> around, and I don't, know if, I don't know if I even feel safe right now, right? But they're intentional to do that. Now, the average human speaks about 5,000 words per day. Now, some of us in the room are thinking, wow, that's a lot of words, and some of us in the room are thinking, that's nothing, you know? <laughs> 5,000 words in a day. I do double that, you know, right? The average human speaks 5,000 words per day. So you're speaking 5,000 words every single day on the average. And, and just like a wolf, we all communicate in nonverbal ways also. In fact, experts say that about 7% of communication is words. 7% of communication is words. This means that 93% of what we say is with our body language and our tone. 93% of what you say is with your body language and how you say it, not even what you say. 93%. 7% is actually the words that are coming out of your mouth. Now, can we all agree today as we kind of jump into this that our words matter? Our words matter. All the 5,000 words that you speak in a day, they matter. All the communication that you, come on somebody, all the communication you do with your thumbs during the day, it matters. All the communication you do with your 
with your fingers during the day, it matters. All the communication that you do with your tone, it matters. With your body language, it matters. It all matters. It all carries weight. And the Bible even tells us that we will give an account for the idle words that we speak. And, and here's how, you know, we were looking at the message translation. I like that translation of this scripture. Here's how the Bible says it in the message translation in Matthew chapter 12. It says, you have minds like a snake pit. Ouch. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's tying together what we talked about last week and what we're talking about this week. So in case you hadn't picked up on that yet, let me just let you know. if that's if It's tying in how we're thinking and how we're speaking. It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on an orchard. Let me tell you something. I like the tone. <laughs> let me tell you something, Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. This is in the Bible. This is not me. This is in the Bible. Okay, let's just establish that. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. <laughs> words can be good, and words can be really, really bad. Your words matter. What you say matters. And so today I want to give you some things to think about regarding the words that you speak every day. And I'm going to give you four points again, just like I did last week. And we'll go through them as quickly as we can. But here's number one. And some of these are kind of long, so you have to bear with me. But here's number one. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then he needs to be Lord of your lips too. If Jesus, See, some of us have given our life to Jesus, but not our mouth. God, you can have everything about me except for what I say, except for my mouth, except for my lips. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then he needs to be Lord of your lips too because we've already established it. What you say matters. What you say carries weight. What you say and how you say what you say matters more than we could ever even possibly imagine. We could even say it this way, that if you're a Christian, does your mouth know it? If you're a Jesus follower, does your mouth know it? If you call yourself a Christian, y'all being awfully quiet today in this church, if you call yourself a Christian, does your mouth know it? Because what you say matters. And if Jesus is Lord of your life, then he needs to be Lord of your lips Two, everything that comes out of your mouth should bring praise and honor to God. Jesus needs to be the Lord of our lips, too. So that's number one, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. Number two, we're going to spend a little more time on. Number two is this. Your words impact other people. Your words impact other people. Now, here are some things that we like to say many times. Maybe something in this list will sound familiar to you. Um, just a couple of things that we say that most of us have probably said in this room. Well, I didn't really mean that. Anybody ever said that? You said something and then you were like, well, I really didn't mean that. I really didn't mean for it to come across that way. Or we say something like this, well, no offense, but... <laughs> Isn't it ironic that a lot of times when we say no offense, but we offend them? 
<laughs> like, basically what we're saying is, I'm going to offend you, but I don't want you to hate me. So no offense, but <laughs> I need to tell you something. Your words impact other people. Too often we try to make ourselves feel comfortable by tearing someone else down. We try to make ourselves feel comfortable by tearing someone else down. Now, can I tell you this morning that there's a better way to get there? There's a better way to get where you want to go than by tearing other people down. Maybe you should, maybe you should bless someone and see what that does. Encourage someone, build someone else up, notice somebody else. There are better ways to get to where you're wanting to go other than tearing people down on your way to getting there. And too often we're, we're trying to make ourselves feel more comfortable and trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves by using our words to tear other people down. Your words aren't a joke. They impact other people. Come on, once you've said it, you can't erase it. Once you've sent the text, it's done. <laughs> once you sent the email to everybody that you wanted to notify about the thing that you didn't like about your boss, it's out there. Once you posted it on social media, and then you thought 15 minutes later, oh, I probably shouldn't have posted that. Guess what? People already saw it. Once you put it out there for the whole world to know how you feel about a situation that you probably shouldn't be posting on Facebook or Instagram and you should be dealing with on your own or giving over to God, once you've put it out there, your words matter and they impact other people. Come on, some of the, some of the, 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 the most communication that we do is through social media. We're commenting on people's stuff. We're posting things. We're trying to make people feel, you know, like we're this type of person when we're actually this type of person. We're, we're masking everything. We're communicating through social media. But once you've communicated, once you've said it, once you've emailed it, once you've texted it, once you've put it on social media, people, it's, it's out there. It's out there. So we need to start thinking before we speak. Because our words impact other people. There are a lot of, of verses in the Bible that talk about this. I, I just have a few here that I want to share with you. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Maybe we need to ask ourselves that question before we speak. Is this going to be a gift? Is what I'm about to say going to be a gift to that person? Maybe Proverbs 18:21 it says, Words kill... Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And I like this part. He says, you choose. <laughs> you choose. Well, you know, if God's that powerful, he'll just control my mouth. No. It says your words, they can kill, they can bring life. They're poison or they're fruit. You choose. You get to choose what your words do. Colossians 4, 6 says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. And you know what's interesting about this verse that, that I want to I talk about for just a moment is the word grace. Because I want us to all understand what grace is. Grace is something that you never deserve. You don't deserve it. <laughs> so whenever we're speaking, so what this verse is telling us when Paul wrote this, He's saying, when you speak, everything that you say needs to be drenched in grace. Drenched, not sprinkled. 
drench it in grace. And what is grace? It's something they don't deserve. It's, so you need to take a moment and say, you know what? I need to drench what I'm about to say and say it from the perspective of you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give this to you anyway. It needs to be drenched with grace. Now, there is a time for difficult conversations and speaking the truth to our friends and to our family and to our coworkers and to the people that we're in relationship with, but it can't be without grace. It can't be without grace because your words impact other people around you. You can't just be going around saying things without grace. It doesn't work. Have you ever known the person who was rude and mean a lot of the times, and then they would say things like this? Well, I just call it like I see it. Well, I'm just an honest person. I'm just outspoken. Well, I just speak the truth. Can I, can I tell you something? For, can I just get on your toes a little bit, but in a loving way? None of that's in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, if that's the way that you are, then, you know, then you're okay. <laughs> Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. What it does say is for every single person to drench what they say in grace. Because your words matter that much. Are you with me? There's a time to speak truth, but it has to be drenched in grace. God wants us to use our words in a way that builds people up and doesn't tear them down. I found this interesting, just another little uh, piece of insight about wolves as I was studying this and, and, and reading the book, <laughs> is that wolves, one of the ways that they, they use the howl is to get each other pumped up before they go out on a hunt. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> Some of us do that too, right? You're about to, you're about to go into work and you go... I got the courage. Woo! I got the courage today. Oh yeah, you know. And we're playing, and we're we're telling each other, you know, it's like, come on, you got, you got this. Come on, you just gonna go in there and lay down the law, and you just gonna tell them how to. And we're getting each other pumped up, right? And wolves do that too. Before they're gonna go out to hunt, you know, they'll use the howl, and, and it's almost like they're howling each other, like, you know. And it's like, come on, you, come on, are you ready? It's been like three weeks. We're about to go hunting. Are you excited? Are you pumped up? And we do the same thing a lot of times. We try to get each other, you know, if it's a difficult situation, we're like, whew, we're trying to pump each other up, you know. Like, you can do it, you know. Ah, you can do it. It's going to be awesome, you know. You got this. You got this. <laughs> Would the people in your life say that the words you speak get them excited about what God is doing in their life? Would the people that you're the closest to say that, man, every time they every time they speak something, it just gets me excited about what God's doing. Like, what, man, I'm just re I'm ready. Do people around you say that about the things that you say? Does it get them excited? Some of us could change our marriage if we would only change what we're speaking. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens right there, you know, but. <laughs> Some of us have been praying for our relationships, praying for our marriages, praying for our spouses, praying for relationship with a kid, praying, you know, and, and a lot of that could be changed if we would change what we say. And not even necessarily what we say, but even how we say it. A lot of that could be changed 
by our communication. Your words impact other people. Here's number three. Your words impact the future. Your words impact the future. The way that you talk in a difficult situation has the ability to cause the impossible to be done. Jesus even said that you could speak to the mountain and it could be moved. You know what's interesting about that statement? He didn't say you could think about the mountain moving moving, and it could be moved. He said you can speak to the mountain and it can be moved. So your words impact the future. Your, your words have the ability to change what is coming your way in the future. It has the ability to change what you experience in the future. Sometimes even the impossible thing that's being done is you continuing to believe in God in the midst of your storm. Sometimes we take that for granted. Sometimes we think, well, God's not really coming through in this. Well, God's not really doing anything in my situation. Sometimes the miracle is the fact that you're still serving God in the middle of a storm. And we take that so lightly. And what God has done is he sustained you in the middle of whatever you're going through. And the fact that you're still here is a miracle. That's the impossible thing that's being done in your situation. And in other situations, there might be a different type of miracle that happens by the things that you say. But your words matter. Maybe you need to write this down today. You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You cannot be a victim and a victor at the same time. It is not possible. You can't be the victim and be victorious at the same time. But can I tell you this? When you're living and speaking from a place of victory and understanding that you already have victory, then while you're in the victory, you won't be the victim. Because you can't do both. But on the flip side, if you're always the victim, you'll never be the victor. So there's got to be a shift in what you say because your words matter and they're determining the future. They are impacting the future. They are impacting how you experience things. They are impacting what happens in your life. It's your words. Your words. It's how you speak about and to your situation that makes all the difference. It's not even really about your situation. It's about how you speak about or how you speak to your situation. Because your words impact the future. So however you are speaking about your situation, however you are speaking to your situation, is going to determine how your situation turns out. Because your words are powerful. Your words matter. Your words are weighty. There is weight in what you say. And we don't need to take it lightly. There's weight. One word that, that I believe many of us need to focus on is this word right here. It's the word good. <laughs> good. Let me tell you what I mean. Well, I didn't get the promotion. Good. Well, things didn't turn out how I thought they would. Good. The doctor gave us a bad report. Good. Let me tell you what I'm getting at. The situation is not good, but I believe that God can do good. 
<laughs> so no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I don't like the situation, but good. Because I know that God can do something good in this situation. I know that God can do something good through this situation. I know that, that, that God can take all things and work them together for my good if I just continue to serve him and love him. Good. Good. That didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. Good. God must have something better. Whew, I got a, got a bad report from the doctor. Good. God must be going to do something through this. It's not that the situation is good. It's that you believe that God is good. That you believe God can do something good. Your words impact the future. And here's number four. Your words impact you. Your words impact you. As you speak the words you speak, they are changing you. The things that you say are changing you. And some of us, we don't like the version of ourselves that we are. And, and what we need to do is we need to change the things that we're saying. Because the things that we're saying are changing us. Your words are changing you. Why is this true? Because the person you speak to most often is who? You. <laughs> who do you have the most conversations with? Yourself. <laughs> who do you talk to the most? You. Who do you try to encourage more than anybody else? You. Who do you tell is the most unqualified, lousy person on planet Earth? You. You speak to yourself more than anybody else. We could say this, and maybe you want to write it down, that you don't have to say everything you feel, but you'll feel everything you choose to say. You don't have to say everything you feel, but you will feel everything you choose to say because your words are changing you. Your words are impacting you. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you'll look back in 25 years and think, I don't even know who this person is, and it's all because of what you have said for the last 25 years about yourself, to yourself, about your situation, to your situation, and it is changing you. It is impacting you. And this even ties in with our message from last week because many of the negative words that you're speaking to yourself are coming from negative thoughts that you're thinking. So really, last week helps you this week. If you can change the way that you'll think, then you can change the things that you say to and about yourself. And it'll help you. And here's what many of us need to do today. We need to do this. We need to fire yourself as your own personal critic and rehire yourself as your own personal coach. Today, when you go out to your car after church, you need to sit there for a minute and you say, you know what? I'm firing myself as a critic, and I am rehiring myself as a coach. <laughs> just in a moment, just, just take a moment. Sit down in your car before you leave church today and say, you know what? I'm, hire, I'm, I'm firing myself as my critic, and I'm going to hire myself as my coach. And what is the difference? Critics are in the stands. <laughs> oh man we all know how to play we all know how to make the game winning shot watching it on TV well that was stupid they should have passed it over there I don't know why they didn't give it to LeBron or some of you are like well I don't know why they give it to LeBron because he don't ever make the shot <laughs> why is that guy shooting it critics are in the state critics are watching this is what we do in church. Can I go here for a minute? <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Critics are the ones that are watching. Coaches are the ones that are in, have skin in the game. 
So maybe you need to ask yourself, am I a critic or am I a coach? And maybe you need to fire yourself as a critic and rehire yourself as a coach. See, here's what critics say. Critics say, well, that was bad. You'll never get it right. Nobody really likes you. Look at all the mistakes you've made. That's a critic. That's what most of us say to ourselves every day. But if we would fire our critic and we would hire ourselves as a coach, this, this is what a coach says. Yeah, you made some mistakes, but you can do better. And here, here, here's, what, here's another thing that a coach says that is so powerful. Let me help you do better. <laughs> See, a critic will say, well, look at them. They failed. And then they'll just go on with their day. But a coach will say, yeah, you made some mistakes, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Let me help you. And some of us, we need to fire our inner critic, and we need to rehire ourselves as our own personal coach and make the shift in our mind. I want to bring the worship team back today. What would your life look like if you were to, if you were, <laughs> check this out. This is so good. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want to just read right through this and, and you not get it. What would your life look like if you were in your own corner? What would your life look like if you were on your own side? If you were in your own corner as a coach every single day, what would change in your life? Can you think of some things right now of how some ways that your life would be different if you were in your own corner and not your own worst enemy in this area of your life? And here's some things that I want us to do practically, and, and I want us to even, to even practice these. I'm going to try to practice these in our own house. But here's some things just practically that I think we need to start doing. If you hear someone around you that's speaking negatively about themselves, they're saying something about themselves, they're mumbling to themselves, they're, they're, they're tearing themselves down. You know, husbands, maybe you need to do this. You hear your wife, and she's, she's saying something negative about herself, and you just look at her and you say, mm, don't talk about my wife that way. <laughs> oh, dear God. This would change everything if we would do this right here. <laughs> Oh, don't talk about wives. Your husband, you know, talking negatively. Well, I'm never going to figure it out. Never going to get it done. Never going to do this. Mm -mm, don't talk about my husband that way. Your friend, the people that you're in relationship with, and you hear them talking negative about this. No, don't talk about don't talk about the person that I love that way. Don't talk about the per don't talk about my friend that way. <laughs> I'm not going to let you talk about the person that I love that way. You're not going to talk about my wife that way. You're not going to talk about my husband that way. You're not going to talk about my friend that way. And I think if we would catch each other and we would help each other out. That we could change this. We could change this. There's power in what you say. Power in what you say. Maybe for some of us, the most important words that we could say today, and I'm going to end with this, and if you want to go ahead and stand, if you'll stand all over this room. For some of us, for many of us, the most important words that we might could say today are thank you. Maybe it's thank you to God. Because I wouldn't be here where I'm at if it wasn't for you and you've seen me through so much and you've walked with me through so much and I just want to tell you thank you maybe it's somebody that you're close to in your life maybe it's your spouse maybe it's a it's a relationship maybe it's 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 with a with a kid maybe it's with a co-worker maybe maybe for some of us the most important words that we could say today are thank you and here's the reason why uh, I, I was looking this up and saying thank you actually releases and maybe many of you have probably heard these terms but dopamine and serotonin <laughs> did you know that when you say thank you, let's all just try that right now. 
Everybody, one, two, three. Thank you. When you say thank you, did you know that it releases those chemicals into your body? Do you know what those chemicals do? Those chemicals create happiness. They give you the feeling of happiness in your life. (laughs) So God, in all of his awesomeness, created you to where when you stop and you say thank you, that it releases chemicals into your body that, that naturally give you the feeling of happiness when you say thank you. So for a lot of us in the room today, we need to just start with saying that. I just need to start saying thank you. When somebody does something for me, thank you. Thank you to my spouse. Thank you to that person. Thank you to God for, for where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's powerful. Your words matter. They matter. And we've got to learn how to change the way that we speak. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting the same results we've been getting. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can change the way that we speak. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Come on, if you're here today and, and you say, you know what, this is for me. I need to, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. I need to do this. God's speaking to me today that I need to, I need to start being more intentional with the things that I'm saying. I need to make Jesus the Lord of not just my life, but the Lord of my lips, the Lord of my mouth, the Lord of what I say. If that's you, can I just pray for you? We just lift your hand up where you are. This is for me. Hands all over the room. God, we thank you today for every person raising their hand. Thank you for every person who's heard this message. God, we know that you have spoken to us today. God, I pray that you would show us. Show us how to walk this out. Show us how to walk this out. So that we can change these things in our lives by changing the way that we think, by changing the way that we speak, and learn to speak and think the way that you desire for us to think and speak. And God, I thank you that you are changing lives right now in this moment. You are doing something that only you can do, that we can't even comprehend what you're doing right now as you speak to us. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you're here today and you need prayer, we're going to sing one final song before we leave. But if you're here today and you need prayer for anything in your life, we want to invite you for prayer. And so here in a moment, we're going to begin to sing this final song. And if that's you and you need prayer for anything in your life, just step out of your seat. Come down for prayer. You don't have to be ashamed or, or, or worried about coming down for prayer. It's not anything weird. It's not Everybody needs prayer from time to time. Amen? We all need prayer. So if you've got something going on in your life and you just need some prayer, I just need somebody to pray with me. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be afraid. Just step out of your seat when we begin to sing this final song and, and come down for prayer. And if you're at your seat and you don't need prayer today, you don't feel like you need prayer today, let's worship God today. Let's worship God today. Let's declare one more time that he's greater. He's greater. It doesn't matter where you've been at or what habits you formed. God is greater than the way that you've been talking. God is greater than the way that your words have been impacting other people. He's greater than the way and the things that you've been saying to yourself. He's greater. And all things are possible through him. All things are possible through him. If you'll make him the Lord of that area of your life. If you'll say today, last week we said it, you know, Lord, I'm giving you my thoughts. Today, you just need to say, Lord, I'm giving you my mouth. I'm giving you my mouth. Help me to change this area of my life. Amen. God, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you. And God, we pray that you would draw every person today that needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.